There's a great book that some of you may have read at some point. It, it's called Boys in the Boat. And a few of you have read that? Yeah, it's a great book. It's the, based on the true story, or it is the true story, of the 1936 University of Washington crew team. They were rowers. And it was a very diverse group of young men. Diverse in stature, diverse in height, personality, background. Some of them had grown up on farms. Some of them had grown up in logging towns. Some of them had grown up around in the Seattle area there with the, um, all the fishing and everything that happened there. This very diverse group of young men. And the story chronicles how they learned to be a team together. How they learned to row together. And, I, and the author of the book says, oh, by the way, this group of young men, eight men, ended up shocking the nation when they won the NC2A championship. Nobody comes out of University of Washington for crew. It would either be Stanford, Cal, or the Ivy League schools on the East Coast. This group of men not only won the NC2A championship, but they won the 1936 gold medal in rowing. And the author who wrote about them said this, this ragtag team of Americans won Olympic gold by maintaining a sense of unity amidst diversity. He goes on to say this, races are, run by, are won by crews, and great crews are carefully balanced blends of both physical abilities and personality types. He could be describing the church. Diversity, a lot of diversity, personality, race, gender, lots of back, different backgrounds. He says, balanced blends of both physical abilities and personality types. A crew composed of entire, entirely of eight amped up, overly aggressive oarsmen will often degenerate into a dysfunctional brawl in a boat or exhaust itself in the first leg of a long race. In the same way, a boatload of quiet but strong introverts may never find the common core of fiery, fiery resolve that causes the boat to explode past its competitors. He says, good crews are a good balance of personalities. He says, somehow, all of this must mesh together. That's the steepest challenge. Even after the right mixture is found, each man or woman in the boat must recognize his or her place in the fabric of the crew, accept that place, and accept the others as they are. It's an exquisite thing when it all comes together in just the right way. It's a picture of the church. God bringing together very unique people, different races, different gender, a very unique group of people with different backgrounds, different spiritual gifts, different natural abilities, different passions, and he brings it all together and he makes something powerful. When we are all serving in the place where God has called us to serve, God changes the world. It's a beautiful thing. If you're visiting this morning, we are in a series 
looking at the values, the seven values of our church. And these values help us to understand who we are. And what we see here are our seven values. We talk about being rooted in Scripture. Everything we do, do as a church is rooted in the Bible. We talked the next week about the fact that our passion is to earnestly seek after God, both as individuals and as a church community. We talk about natural outreach, that we, are, we don't exist just for ourselves. We exist for the world, for the kingdom of God. We read on and we see that we are to be involved in engaging relationships one with another, that we are to practice wholehearted generosity, which I'll say more about in just a moment. That we are, we heard a great sermon by Pastor Danny last week about being equipped for ministry, equipping the church for ministry, learning how to use the gifts that God has given to us, learning how to be effective leaders in our home, in our neighborhood, in our community, on the ball fields, in the school, in the workplace, in all the places God calls us to be, to be Christ-honoring leaders. And this morning, we're looking at our very last of our seven values as a church, something we call diverse unity. You'll see that it creates the acronym RENEWED. When we first came up with this, this value, we were thinking about the fact that we are three congregations that exist as one church. We have a Chinese congregation worshiping in Mandarin just across the hall here. Well over a hundred people worshiping right now. A little later this afternoon, and it's because of space challenges that we have that they meet in the afternoon, but we have a Korean congregation that they worship together, first in Korean, then in English. And so we thought, this is a great picture of heaven, isn't it? Diverse unity, diversity in our, in our race. But I have found that this value is far deeper than that. What I have found is I have studied this value, that it's throughout from Genesis to Revelation. We don't often talk about this as Christian churches in America, but it's an important value that goes beyond race and gender. And it's something that we need to think deeply about as a church. Now, I mentioned just a moment ago that we would talk a little bit more about generosity. And if you were here that morning, we gave everybody who was here a $10 bill. And you were to invest that $10 bill in an act of generosity, beginning to flex those generosity muscles on behalf of the kingdom of God and on behalf of our church. And if you haven't yet... We would love to know your generosity story. How did you invest that? You may not even think it's that significant. We want to hear your story because you might be surprised about how your story impacts others. But this morning we're looking at, we're looking at the issue of diverse unity. Diverse unity. And what we find is that this model of diverse unity we see it not only in the teachings of the Bible, but we see it in the nature of the Godhead himself. Jesus said, I and the Father am one. One God that we worship. 
The Trinity is we worship one God who has revealed himself as three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We see it from the very beginning of creation. We see the Holy Trinity in the Bible. And it continues to the book of Revelation. We see the unity and the harmony of the Godhead. United in purpose. United in deity. We see the unity and harmony of the Godhead. I love this passage that comes from John 14, 9. Philip says to Jesus, Jesus, show us the Father. That's all we need to see. And we'll be satisfied. We'll be content. Listen to what Jesus says. Jesus says, have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me, Jesus said, has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? I and the Father am one. There is perfect unity in the Godhead. When you have seen me, you have seen the Father. That is the unity and the harmony of the Godhead. When you have seen the Holy Spirit, you have seen the Father and the Son. When you have seen the Father, you have seen the Spirit and the Son. There's perfect unity and harmony in the Godhead. But we continue on and we see the second point. And yet at the same time, there is diversity of function in the Godhead. There is perfect unity in the Godhead when it comes to purpose and design. And yet at the same time, there is a difference in function. We, we read in John 15, 26, we see when the advocate comes, whom Jesus is talking, when the advocate comes, speaking of the Holy Spirit, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. It's giving us a sense of the role of the function of the Holy Spirit, which is different than the role and the function of the Father, which is different from the role and the function of the Son. If you look at creation, we see it was the Father who spoke the words of creation. But we read in Hebrews, it was the, in Colossians, it was the Son who carried out the plan of the Father. And it was the Holy Spirit who hovered over all of it and was bringing understanding to creation of what it is that God is doing, bringing glory to God through what God had created. We see in the account of our own salvation, we see the different functions of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What we see that the plan of redemption, the plan by which God redeemed us, that plan was initiated by the Father. It was created by God the Father. God the Son carried it out by coming to the earth and in perfect obedience, living a perfect life of obedience to the Father. And in so doing, allowed his life to be sacrificed on a cross. So that through what Jesus has done for us, we might receive salvation. We might be redeemed. And it's the role of the Holy Spirit now to apply what Jesus did on the cross to your life and to my life so that we live out the fullness of what God has done for us in his plan of salvation. Do you see that? Do you see the diversity, diverse unity in the Godhead? One, perfect unity, perfect harmony, 
but different roles, different functions. Does it sound like the church? Absolutely it does. Does it sound like families? Absolutely it does. You see, our families and the family of God are reflections of the Godhead. And much of the the biblical teaching about how we are to live together is modeled after the relationship of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So let's, let's read on and let's see how this applies then to our relationships when it comes to being a disciple, a follower of Jesus. And what we see here is that we are to seek unity after the example of the Holy Trinity. We are to seek unity in our family, in our home. We are to seek unity in the church. We are to seek unity as a reflection of the unity of the Godhead. Listen to what Jesus said. This is incredibly powerful. Listen to this. Jesus said, I have given them. Now, who's them? Them is you. Them is me. Jesus said, I have given them the glory that you gave me. He's speaking to his Father in heaven. Father, you gave me glory. Now, I have given the glory that you gave me. I have given to them. For what purpose now? You might be very surprised. Listen to the reason he did that. That they, you and me, may be one as we are one. That we, as the people of God, might reflect the unity of the Godhead as we live together in our families, as we live together in the church. Now, what does it mean when he says that he has given us his glory? It means that he has given us some aspects of the very divine life that belongs to God. Think about that. God has given to us aspects of the very divine life of God so that God may be glorified through us. But what, why would that glory come to him? Because of the unity that it creates among God's people. Friends, we don't understand, I don't believe we comprehend how significant, how important, how critical unity, seeking unity together in the midst of our diversity is in the church of Jesus Christ. And we glorify God with the glory we have received as we seek to live in harmony and unity with one another. It's an incredible picture. The church's task, the church of Jesus Christ, our task together and our task as individuals is to not, uh, is that we would not obstruct that glory through disunity and disharmony in the body. Now, we're going to talk about what that looks like here in just a moment. But yet, at the same time, what we know is just as there is in the Godhead, there's different functions, there's different roles that each of us plays. We see that in this great passage that comes from Romans uh, chapter 12, and it, we see it in 1 Corinthians 12. And it says this, For just as each of us has one body, with many members, many parts, and these members don't have the same function. Get this. I just read about this. 
My lungs have a different function than my heart. <laughs> Who would have thought? My feet are different than my elbow. I'm just so glad I'm not just one big elbow or one big foot. I have many parts of my body. And they don't all have the same function. In the same way, in Christ, in Christ together, we, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace that has been given to us by God. Through the Holy Spirit. Carrying out what it means that Christ died on the cross for us. Carrying out the plan of God the Father. We have many different spiritual gifts, as we talked about last week. We have different roles, different functions, but we're one body. Just as the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are one with different roles, different functions, so we, though we are many, with different gifts and different roles and different functions, we are one body. And friends, we need to act together in unity as one body because the glory goes to God when we do that so what does it look like that's the big question isn't it what does it look like we're so diverse we're so different what does it look like so let's look at this third point of movement two disciples seek of Jesus seek diverse unity we are diverse but because of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ we are one one body not many bodies we are one body we're the church and get this we even love people that worship at other churches <laughs> have you ever heard of such a thing we even love Christians that are in Iran and North Korea and Russia. We love our brothers and sisters because they're our family. This isn't just our family. Our family is scattered throughout the world, throughout the globe. They are my brothers and sisters, and they are your brothers and your sisters. So we read this passage that comes out of Philippians 1 and 2. Listen to this challenge. Paul says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ. I'm united with Christ. And what does that mean for me? He says, if you have any comfort from his love, if you have any common sharing in the Holy Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, here it is, verse 2, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Friends, let's look at these and what these mean very quickly. Like-minded. It means that we are to strive together for common understanding and common agreement. And friends, I say strive together. Sometimes I just don't get where you're coming from. And I know sometimes you don't get where I'm coming from. So what do we do? Just write each other off? Do we just take you off Facebook? What do they call that? I wouldn't know because I've never done it. <laughs> Actually, I'm never on Facebook. 
Yeah, you could be friend. You de defriend. Is that what it is? Unfollow and unfriend. Woo! Well, you can really get them. Um, I don't do that because they think differently than I do. I want, maybe I can learn from them. Or maybe I can influence them. Like-minded means we strive for understanding. We work at it. I just don't understand where you're coming from. Can we talk more about it? Imagine if we just did that in our marriages. Imagine if we just did that with our children and our parents. Imagine the impact. You know what to do? Being like, seek to be like-minded. You know what that requires? Humility. I know I'm never the smartest person in the room. Even when I'm alone. No, I'm teasing. I know I'm never the smartest person in the room. I know that. I never assume that. I always assume there's something for me to learn. There's a way that God is going to use somebody in my life to teach me. Even if it's a child. I, was, I love being with my granddaughter. Uh, she was with us this morning for the, um, she's in nursery now, but she just loves to dance during worship. And you know what, I watch that and I just sense the joy of the Lord. And I think, you know what, Don? Maybe you need a little more joy in your heart. The second, having the same love, you know what that means? That you love everyone the same. Well, what do you mean? Remember that love is not, biblical love is not emotion. It's not feeling. I might have more feeling for my wife and my children and my grandchildren, but I'm, in lo I'm to love everyone the same. Everyone. I'm going to have the same love for everybody in the family of God. I'm going to care for them every bit as much as, as, I do, and I, as I do my family, and I'm to reach out to them and love them in ways that God has called me to love them, even if they disagree with me. Get this, even if they don't like me. Can you believe there are actually people who don't like me? No, yes. And you know what? I love them. They're my brothers and sisters. They may disagree with me, but I love them. We read, uh, and then being one in spirit and one mind, it really is the same thing. It's really talking, two ways of saying the same thing. It's about, it, it's about being a, having the same purpose. Why are we going through these seven values? Because we want to be united together in our biblical purpose in this community. We want to be united in how we reach out to the world. We want to be united together in how we minister. One of the things I loved about last night, if you were here for our fall festival, one of the things that I loved is, is when all three of our congregations, our Chinese congregation, which we have a big Chinese presence in this area of Chino, uh, through our Chinese congregation, through our Korean congregation, and our English congregation, all side by side by side, ministering together. I love that. You know why? Because we have the same purpose. We are of one spirit and one mind. And we're side by side ministering together in the name of Jesus. Is that amazing? I love that. So what does this look like? What does this mean? 
if we're going to seek to do this? What does it look like, practically speaking? Well, number one, it means that there's unity in the diversity of race and culture in the church. Racism has no place in the church of Jesus Christ. I don't care what your race is. I don't care what your gender is. You are my brother and my sister in Christ. And I get to be with you for an eternity. Now, that might be frightening to some of you, that you're going to be with me for an eternity. But you're my brother. You're my sister. We're not to see race. We're not to see gender. We see people that Jesus saved, who Jesus loves. They're my sisters. They're my brothers. There is no room for racism in the church of Jesus Christ. I was um, really surprised when I, talking to um, Pastor Day, our Korean pastor, and Pastor Charlie, our Chinese um, Mandarin-speaking pastor, and, and I asked them a while ago, I said, have your people ever experienced racism? I'm thinking, no, I mean, he said, yeah, yeah. And for pa Pastor Charlie's people, because um, people blamed China, uh, China for the, and I'm not getting into the politics of all of that, but they're my brothers and sisters. I don't blame them for COVID. And they've been the victims, some of them have been victims of racism in America and even in Christian churches. That should never happen. I love the story. Um, I'm, every week I go to be with my dad. He turns 94 in a week. Oh, I love it. I love my dad. And um, good genes. And uh, <laughs> we're, every week when we get together, we sit down. I, we, I help him with all of his bills and everything. And, and we hang out together and we do things together. And, and, um, but every week, the caregiver who's there and my dad and I sit down and we read the Bible together. And we talk about what we read. And this, uh, on Friday, I was with my dad, and we read a portion of John 4. In John 4, Jesus is traveling with his disciples, and they're kind of moving along, hanging out together. And they, Jesus takes them through Samaria. Now, the Samaritans are absolutely hated. They're hated by the Jews because... They're not pure bread. They're not pure Jews. You see, when the northern kingdom of Israel was destroyed by the Assyrians, they started to intermarry. The people who were left were intermarrying, intermarried, and so they were no longer pure Jews. They were half-breeds. The Jews saw them as compromisers. You didn't talk. If you're a good Jew, if you're a rabbi, a religious person, you didn't talk to a Samaritan, for crying out loud. You wouldn't do that. So what does Jesus do? He leads his disciples to an area of Samaria. Now, it even gets crazier than that. He's a rabbi. He's a religious leader. He stops at Jacob's well, sends his disciples into the nearest community to get food, and he hangs out there because there's a woman coming. There's a divine appointment. Jesus knows there's a woman coming to draw water. 
Now, this isn't the closest well to the town, but this is where she goes at the heat of the day so she doesn't run into any other women because she has kind of a checkered past. So what happens? Jesus says, woman, would you draw me water? Listen to what she says. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Here is God in human flesh breaking the racial barrier and breaking the cultural barrier and breaking the gender barrier. When you look at the Gospels, by its very nature, the Gospel breaks down every barrier. When Paul, before he was a Christian, he used to say, as a good Jew, he used to say, I thank God that I'm not a Gentile, which is a non-Jew, I'm not a woman, and I'm not a slave. Because these were people that were in the eyes of the Jewish community. And now he writes, listen to these words, now he writes, that at, the, that at the foot of the cross, there's no Jew or Gentile. There's no free or slave. There's no male or female. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. There is no place for racism in the church of Jesus Christ. Second thing that we see, the unity of diversity of spiritual gifts. We kind of talked about that a few moments ago. That we read... Uh, and here in 1 Corinthians 12, there are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it's the same God who's at work. We have different gifts. God gives us different passions. You know why he does that? Because he leads us and guides us into areas of ministry for the sake of the kingdom of God. And we're different. We're unique. We're diverse. But we're unified because it's the same God doing it. Amen? It's the same work of the same God. But it's just different. I remember a friend of mine, I love this guy. We at my last church, they were very, as a church, um, very committed to adoption. In fact, a huge percentage of the people in our church have been adopted at some point. It's just an amazing reality. And our mission team, we help people financially with adoption because there was a heart in that church for that. And I remember this, this man, I had lunch with him once, and he said to me, Pastor, we should only be a church that focuses on adoption, period, nothing else. His spiritual gift was justice. That was his passion, I should say. His passion was justice. His spiritual gift was administration. And he said to me, he said, Pastor, it's not enough that we do ministry and preach the gospel. We need to be adopting, now hear this, Children internationally, in other words, it doesn't matter, if, it doesn't count if it's domestic, and they have to be from China, and they have to be girls. Now, he happened to have adopted two girls from where? You're so smart. And he was projecting his spiritual gift and his passion onto everybody else, and he was critical of them if they did not have the same passion that he had. And if they were not doing the same thing that he did. Now this can happen in spiritual gifts because we have strong passion for the area that God has called us to minister. I'm very passionate about things. But you know what? 
I honor your passion every bit as much as I honor my passion. Because I know that it takes all of us together to be the church of Jesus Christ. We are to be united in our spiritual gifts as we use them in our passion that God has given to us. Never critical of how other people, of their passion and how God has made them. You know what the Bible, this is a big problem in the early church, which is why it says that my gift that's up front is less important. Isn't that surprising? I remind myself of that all the time. And others remind me too. Unity in the diversity of lifestyle. I'm not going to say a lot about this. But people have different lifestyles. Now, I'm going to be very, 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 very clear here. Our lifestyles are to be biblical. Are to be biblical. I want to talk just for a, a, a moment about this. What was happening was... In Rome, in the Roman Empire, there are many different religions, and many of them offered sacrifices to idols. And when they would offer those sacrifices, they would offer meat that was burned, and then they would take that meat into the marketplace and sell the meat. And there are people who said, we should never eat that meat because it's been sacrificed to an idol. The Apostle Paul says it doesn't matter, it's just meat. What matters is your heart. What matters is how you understand that you're not worshiping that, it's just meat. But listen to what Paul says. He says, therefore, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again, so that I don't cause them to fall. Friends, what if we didn't think just about our own freedom, but we thought about how our freedom and exercising our freedom impacts the spiritual walk of the people around us? People are fighting over this issue. Paul says that is silliness. Stop it. Stop it. Beth and I made a decision because we've seen the damage that alcohol abuse does in the lives of people and families. So we decided when we were very young together that we were not going to have alcohol in our home. Now, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that people can drink, just not drink it to, ac to excess. And kids, we have a law that we honor in our state about the age that you can drink. We don't drink because we don't want our freedom to drink to cause somebody who might struggle with alcohol abuse to see their pastor drinking and think, oh, it must be all right. It's a choice that we've made. We don't point fingers at people. And if you're of the right age and you're not over um, drinking and getting drunk we don't care if you drink around us that's not the issue but I don't ever want somebody to stumble so there's diversity of lifestyle but I'm not thinking about just my freedom and my lifestyle I'm thinking about how my freedom impacts my brothers and sisters and we have to think that way and then diversity oh no he's not going there Diversity of politics. Listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians 12. There should be no division in the body. Over the last number of years, we've seen politics because of social media and um, other dynamics. We've seen politics become war in our American culture. And sadly, it's become war in many churches. That is not biblical. 
friends, if I have strong political feelings and beliefs, but I don't know that I'm right. Now, what I do is there are some, there are some beliefs and political positions that I believe the word of God is very clear in. And I will stand on that until somebody proves me wrong. And if I have a brother or sister who disagrees with me, I will sit down with them with grace and compassion and kindness. And I will explain to them why I think this is a biblical position. But a lot of politics is hard to find in Scripture on some, on some arguments. And what I have found in churches is people who are Democrats who literally do not believe you can be a Christian and be a Republican. And there are Republicans who believe that literally you cannot be a Christian and be a Democrat. Now, I've served in churches where there are both Democrats and Republicans. I have strong political feelings, many of which I believe are rooted in Scripture, but many are just how I see the world, and it's different. We are to not, we're not to be like the world when it comes to politics. We are to talk together, to pray together, to seek the, the Scriptures together, to understand um, and grow in our perspective, in our biblical perspective. In the last few months, we've seen a, a, a Supreme Court justice whose life was being threatened by somebody who came to assassinate him. Just this weekend, we saw Nancy Pelosi's husband attacked in their own home. We have come to a place as a culture where we don't know how to have conversation. We don't know how to talk. We don't know how to disagree. We don't know how to love one another because you don't think like I do. So what do we do as Christians? What do we do as the people here at Crosspoint? We sit down with each other and we say, here's why I see, see it this way. Here's what I see the Bible teaching. And if you are discussing a principle that is not, you can't find in the scriptures, then that's a difference of opinion. Now, I have strong opinions, but I differentiate between those that are an opinion and those that are part of the word of God. Amen? This is critical, friends. We need to teach the world how to disagree. We need to teach the world how to see things differently. And then, and I'm not saying, I, I don't want to be misunderstood here, because I'm not saying that we, as a church, if somebody's ignoring the word of God and living in a way that doesn't honor Christ, that we just look the other way and say, great. No. We confront in love and in commitment. And we show each other why what they're doing is wrong. And I would expect you to do that for me in my life too. Because I want to be a faithful disciple. So we end with this. Diverse unity is a powerful witness to the world. And I'll close with this. Listen to these words. I love this. Jesus speaking to about us. I have given them the glory you gave me. That they may be one as we are one. We just saw that. And it goes on to say this. I in them and you in me. Jesus in us through the Holy Spirit. The Father in him. 
so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then, listen to this, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. It's our witness to the world is our unity. Our witness to the world is how we love one another even though we're diverse and different. Different in background, different in culture, different in gender, different in race. And yet we're one. One of the things I love about being part of our church is I learned so much from Pastor Charlie and Pastor Day. We were, uh, we're reading a book together. We do that every week together as, as pastors staff and staff, some of the staff members. And we, we talk about the book. And last week we're, t- we're reading this book by Maxwell on, on how to be uh, better administrators and such. And Pastor Charlie said, you know, this is a very Western perspective. Because he understands the thinking of somebody from the Far East. He's from Taiwan. And I just loved learning from him. Because you know what? The way I see the world, from a Western perspective, isn't necessarily right. And I love learning from people who are different than me. Will you pray with me? Our Father, thank you for the things that you have done and the things that you are doing. Thank you for your love and your care. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now we're going to do something while the praise team is going to play underneath us. And we're going to take some moments of silence because I could have mentioned, in fact, I had a long list of areas where this principle of diverse unity apply to our lives. It reaches us and intersects with us in so many different ways. It touches us in so many different ways. And what is the Lord saying to you this morning? Not what did I say, but what is the Lord saying to you about being one as the Godhead is one? Diverse in function, diverse in role, but we are still one together. Let God in this moment of silence, we'll just take a moment, what is he saying to you as the band plays underneath us? Let's take a moment of silence. Father, forgive us that we often spend more time defending ourselves and our positions and not listening to the word, but listening to the spirit. We have such a need to be right, and yet in being right, trying to be right, we're often 
destroying the unity that you call us to be seeking. Lord, help us to be a community of faith that lives in a different way that engages in a different way that challenges in a different way may we be bold to speak the truth in love but also to be open to the perspectives of others and to allow them to challenge us in areas where we may not be right we may be misunderstanding the word of God or we may be speaking more out of our own cultural background than we are out of a biblical perspective. God, help us. Help us to be those who seek unity. For we ask this in Jesus' name, by the power of the Holy Spirit.